0: God is so, so amazing. God is good, isn't he? He does all things well. He does all things well. So, as Jimmy mentioned, our pastor has been on a journey the last several weeks with us uh, in a series called, How Do I Know, dot, 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 and he's been ministering along, along the lines of ugh, hard, hard questions, things that we've all either asked or been asked over the course of time. And questions I'm sure that we've all had before we said yes to Jesus, right? And our pastor has done a, a stellar job of, of laying the table for us, laying a foundation for us, and, and helping us to, to know that we know what we know because we know it. No, I'm not repeating that. <laughs> so we're going to look at several scriptures today. Um, that I believe will help to really establish this next section that we're going to look at, is how do I know God loves me? Uh, how do I really know that God loves me? What do I have that I can, can put a fork in it and say, that's it. I, I know that he loves me. I know that he cares about me. I know that he's got my best interest at heart. We're going to we'll look at some things that I believe are going to s- just establish that within us, that there will be no more question Moving forward, because we all have those questions and we've had questions along the lines of everything that our pastors brought up over the course of the last several weeks. Um, He's been answering those hard questions, which helps us uh, in that there's questions where we as believers need to know answers to when the lost and unbelieving ask, They're they're asking, aren't they? And you're going to come across people that are going to ask you those hard questions and you're going to be able to say, I know the answer. Have you ever, have you ever gone into a test where you actually studied? No, and, and it was like you were confident. It's like, wow, well, duh. The answer to that one is B because you studied. Well, the last several weeks, our pastor's been helping us study so we know the answers to the questions the world is asking. And when they ask, we're not bewildered and going, huh, don't know that. But we can say, well, wow, I just learned that. Here, let me give you some, some truths that you can lean on. So as to clear some things up, here we go. Yeah. The first one, and, and I encourage you to go back over the messages that our pastor is preaching. And so I don't want to re-preach all his message. I simply want to summarize what he said over the last several weeks. On number one was how do I know there is a God? And I know we've all had that question before I got saved, before because I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I was, you know, alcoholism was, you know, the standard of the day when I was growing up. Uh, I didn't really know about church. I I didn't know about God. I didn't know about any of that. It was never talked about in my home. And so our pastor did a really good job of kind of establishing a foundation of um, there is a God. The incredible expanse of the universe is what he talked about. You look at the universe and it just points to the fact there is a creator. He talked about the intricate detail of creation itself itself. He talked about the unique human anatomy and structure of our DNA, and then he talked about—and some of you may remember this—the word laminin. Do you remember when he said laminin? And when you look at the structural laminin, it's in the face of the cross, and that's part of the, the, the creation, our, our, who we're created as. He created just the very cross within us. And then, if the world asks, "Well, how do I know the Bible is reliable?" Well, then our pastor laid out this, and he, he pointed to the fact that you've got the historical accuracy of the Word of God. And it's, it's kind of fascinating as uh, you have all these people going out trying to disprove it, and they keep running into themselves. And, and how, many, how many people have, have set out as atheists to prove that God doesn't exist, the Bible is not reliable, and he doesn't speak today, and they end up getting saved and write books about, you know... You look at the Lee Strobels, one of them, uh, just a, an incredible atheist who had a confrontation with God through his open-hearted study of whether or not this stuff is true to try and disprove it and proved it and he gave his life to Christ. Love it when that happens. Well, then you look at the scientific accuracy and the prophetic accuracy how 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 strategic the prophecies are throughout the word of God, you look and watch this, you look at the thematic unity, the fact that the Bible was written, watch this, over a 1,500-year period in over a dozen countries on three continents by 40 authors, different authors, in three different languages, I'd say that's unity. I'd say that maybe God had his hand in it and that that Bible that you have is reliable because God oversaw it. If you want to get to know the book, get to know the author of the book. We have writers and we have the author. There you go. That just came up. The Lord Jesus trusted it and he quoted it. And then you have, this is amazing, the endurance and longevity through ongoing attacks. Yes, sir. Come on. Pastor mentioned this story, and I remember when I heard this for the first time many, many, many years ago, and he talked about the man who said that within a 100 years, the Bible will not exist. And in God's incredible sense of humor, not only did the, the Bible continue to move forward, but when the Gutenberg printing press came out and they were able to produce the Bible in mass, guess whose house they used is the place where the Gutenberg printing press was? His house. The very guy who said the Bible would not exist in 100 years, God says, Really? Let's see about that. And turned his house into a place where the Bible would be published. So cool. I love it when God has the last word and he always does. And then think about this. And I've thought about this is the life changing power of the word of God. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, how many, how many testimonies have we heard from the Gideons who said that they put the Bible... In fact, two hotels I've been in in the last couple of months, I looked in the drawer, and there was the Gideon Bible. And how many times people have sat down on the bed and thinking, my life is over. I'm just going to end it. I mean, it was their goal that night to take it. And they, this, all of a sudden, this nudging coming from somewhere... They open the drawer and pull this book out and think to themselves, what's this? And the Holy Spirit leads them to a scripture and it's the scripture that led them to him because he's been dealing with their heart all along. I'd say the Bible's reliable. I'd say the Bible's powerful. And I'd say it is what God uses to bring his people to him. So when they ask about this one, how do I know God's voice? Do you know God is always speaking? And I, I remember a, a, an illustration that someone gave, and it was, it was actually a conversation between some prophets and a prophet who was very, very well known, uh, very, very accurate in his prophecies and the things and, and the places that God called him. And, and they came to him because there was all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, the, and the, uh, the prophets said to him, do you really think that God is saying all the things that the prophets are saying that he's saying? And he kind of sat back, and with wisdom, here's what he said. He said, I don't think that God is saying all the things that the prophets are saying he's saying, but I think he's saying more than we want to hear. (laughs) And I remember when I gave my life to Christ, prior to that, when the Spirit of God would come and speak to my heart about my need for him, how many of you know at that time I didn't necessarily want to hear him? Because the enemy had come along and said, You know, if you say yes to this religion, all these things are going to have to go. This is going to go, and this is going to go, and you'll probably never eat steak again. <laughs> like, what's the big deal with steak? I don't know, but it sure was a good excuse at the time, and I still enjoy steak. Now, for you vegetarians, you can have pretended steak. Probably shouldn't go there. Anyway, so you've got to believe in your heart that God has a voice. And in John chapter 10, here's what it says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So for, for I don't know how long there has been this lie that once John got done writing the book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 and hit the period God says okay now heaven we're silenced we're no longer going to talk we're no well, you know it's all written out now we there's no more for us to say how many of you know God still talks today I am so thankful for the voice of God I remember shortly and quick quick illustration here, kind of an example. I remember shortly after I gave my life to Christ and I was still getting used to all this. I mean, I just came out of shambles of a lifestyle and I was getting used to, you know, reading the word and and what the body of Christ was all about and and all that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, it was in, I was in Virginia at the time and I had to drive, I believe, up to Maryland to a friend's house because it was over Thanksgiving. And I drove there And back then, we didn't, this is a long time ago, cell phones, GPS, it was, you had to figure it out on a map. Anyone remember the map days? Like trip ticks and those kind of things? Most of the time it just ticked you off because you couldn't figure out where you were going? And so when Thanksgiving was over, by the time it was done, it was dark, and I had to drive all the way back down to Virginia and uh, figure out how to get there, and I got kind of turned around. Well, at the time, I had kind of a hot car. It was an old 442, 1967, 400 motor, three-quarter race cam. But who's counting? And the thing would scream down the highway, within the speed limit, mostly. Well, this particular day, I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with frustration. Anyone? Good, seven of us. And I'm dealing with this, and I'm driving the highway, and the more frustrated I got, the faster the speedometer started to tick up a little bit, you know. And I'm like screaming down the highway, and all of a sudden I felt this voice, you need to slow down. Well, how many of you think, oh, yeah, why would I do that? (laughs) And I said, I didn't even say anything. I just kept going. You really need to slow down. Well, I I don't want to. (laughs) And then this final voice was, you really need to slow down. I thought, I better pay attention to that. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I'm new to the faith. So I pulled my foot off the gas. I hit the brake, just tapped the brake a little bit, got it down within a reasonable subsonic speed. And I literally came around the next corner, and there literally was an accident in the middle of the highway. I would not be here today. I would have plowed right through the center of it. How many of you know God still talks today? He's guiding his people. He talks to the unsaved to draw them to him. You know that. He does. He's still talking. So you got to become familiar with God's voice. You must understand why God speaks. And, and our pastor brought this out. He said, God speaks to facilitate friendship. He wants a friendship with you. He's always speaking to draw you into him. I I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's our God. That's the one we serve. He's not a religious uh, entity, He's not a religious idea. He's real and He really loves you. Amen? He wants to give guidance. How many times, Sharon, I'll be praying and God will show us something and guide us in a direction. How many times we, well, for example, maybe didn't have a job and said, God, we need you to provide. And how many times God has provided either resources or the job to get us to the next step, the next level, the next place we needed to be. That's God who gives guidance. He provides perspective. How many of you have had a perspective on something, and then when God reveals to you the whole thing, all of a sudden your perspective changes? Oh, God, I get it. Now I see it from your angle. A lot different than mine. Thankful that God is God. So here's a thought. It just seems that through the summation of this how-do-I-know series that since God does exist, he is Our creator, number one. Number two, since the Bible is reliable, we conclude that it is his love letter to us. From Genesis to Revelation, his love is splashed through every page. That's the love of God. That is the love of God. Now, since God does speak, whispers of encouragement... Some of you are being encouraged right now. Some of you are being lifted up right now by the voice of God. He whispers warning. How many of you have had that warning signal go off in your heart? It's like, whoa, stop. And you're glad you did. He gives you direction. How about he speaks dreams and visions. You may have a dream in the night and you just write it down and and believe God for the fulfillment of whatever, whatever that dream or vision is. So I would think that through understanding that God exists, that the Bible is reliable, that God has a voice, that it kind of stands to reason, how do I know God loves me? Well, I could shut up right now and say, point to pastor's last several messages and say, have a great day. He does love you. There's no doubt. But pastor asked me to preach, so I'm going to go on to the next section here. So all that we've studied so far leads us to the validity and profound depth called out in this one scripture that virtually everyone has somehow seen or memorized in John 3. How many of you watched maybe the NFL and you look at the end of the stadium and there's John 3.16 and everybody's like, what is that? Who's John? (laughs) Right? And what's this, this address for? 3.16 for God. So... Oh, love the world. That word so, as small as that word is, is huge. Because you cannot plumb the depth of that word. It says, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Now, let's look at the the flip side of that. Probably never thought of it this way, but how about... For Jesus so loved that he was willing to come. It's one thing for for God to say, I'm willing to give my son. It's another thing for the son to say, okay. (laughs) Really, Father? (laughs) I like it up here. (laughs) He didn't do that. He said, no, I love them. For Jesus so loved that he came. For every one of us in this room. So... Here's the deal. I'm going to just try my best to establish the fact that God loves us in the next few minutes. Look at 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Well, let me give the point here. His profound love is displayed through the giving of his son. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Do you think maybe that points to the fact that God loves you? Aren't you glad that God was patient with you till you said yes? So you think maybe we need to be patient with those who haven't said yes yet? Just a thought. Because I know sometimes I get anxious. It's like, just say yes. Get it over with. Right? Just say yes. You'll be glad you did. I mean, how many of you are thankful you said yes? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he called me out of darkness. I'm glad he called me out of drugs and alcohol and all the garbage I was in. I'm glad he pulled me out, put his spirit upon me, filled me up, and set me on a course to be able to speak into other people's lives who are lost in darkness as well. His profound love is displayed in his patience and desire that none should perish. Now that shows the love of God, doesn't it? He would that none would perish. Even, listen, even the most wicked, vile person on the planet, God loves them because they are still his creation. And he's going to the nth degree to draw them to him. Which leads us to believe we can't give up. Until they take their last breath, we just keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, keep being available to that person. We may not like what they do. We may not like them. But God loves them. So we believe God for them so that they will come to know him and they'll be glad that they said yes. That's just the way it works. So how do I know God loves me? Here are some questions to ponder. Are you ready? How many of us have at times thought that unanswered prayer was somehow a barometer of God's love? (laughs) I have. God, where are you? Well, when when I experience what I assume to be unanswered prayer, does God still love me? Well, if you're in this thing long enough, you get to the idea that, yeah, He does. When I don't sense His presence... And he's withdra- and he's withdrawn. Has he withdrawn his love from me and written me off? You know, when you when you don't sense his presence, it's easy to kind of question, isn't it? But he's still there. Well, how do you know? Well, his love letter told me. Well, where did it say that? He said, "I will never leave you, nor forsake you." Yeah, some of you got it memorized. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Whether you feel him or not, doesn't matter. He's still there. The truth is still there. He still loves you. He still cares about you, right? Well, how do we know that? Well, the Bible says, his love letter, he said that he ever lives and intercedes for us. He's praying for us even right now. Some of you in here who don't know him yet, he's interceding on your behalf to draw your heart to him. The Holy Spirit's been working on you. Just give up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just give up. That's right. So, here's another one. Have I, got, have I gone further than God's love can go? When things don't go the way I think they should, does he still love me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. How many of you had situations that went sideways, and you thought, like, God, where are you in the midst of this? And then you get on the other end of it, and goes, oh, that's where you were. <laughs> you were there all along. I don't, I don't know why I didn't see it, but I guess that's why you're God and I'm not. So when I have sinned, missed the mark, made a poor decision, hurt somebody, gotten extremely angry, frustrated, discouraged, where is God's love? It's there walking me through all that stuff to mature me up, to get me beyond that stuff. And it's a daily journey, isn't it? It's a daily journey of following him. So here, this scripture has been coming up. For the last several weeks, uh, Jimmy brought it up and Cameron brought it up, and here it is again. I think God's trying to get something through to us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, starting with, for this reason, now, I want you to get it in context. So when you get a chance, read the first two and a half chapters, <laughs> Of Ephesians to get why he says for this reason but let me summarize it for this reason it means from with with God's grace in mind with his manifold wisdom uh, in mind with the unfathomable riches of Christ the revealed mystery through the body of Christ he said for this reason because of these things he says I bow my knees before the Father from whom every Family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That I, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. Oh, this is a good one with all the saints, what is the breadth the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Let me stop there for a second. Do you really seriously think you'll be able to comprehend the full depth of God's love? But isn't it interesting how tempting it is for us to marginalize his love as though there were an expiration date at some point? (laughs) I don't know if this is the first you heard this, but there's no expiration date on God's love. He loves you. He loves you. All right. It says that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly exceeding abundantly beyond all that you ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever, amen. Now, number one, God's love cannot be measured. Try, go for it. See if you can plummet, you won't be able to. Look at this scripture in uh, the Message Bible, verse 18 and 19, it says, you'll be able to take in, with all Christians, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to its heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Isn't that cool? You can't plumb it, but we sure question it. Does he still love me? Yeah. Let's just let's settle the argument. He loves me. Say to the person next to you, he loves me. He loves me. me, Believe it or not. (laughs) He loves me. Now here's what, here's what the hymnist wrote in one of his songs. Here's what it says. To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Well, what does the world, what does that really mean? It means that, If the oceans were an inkwell and the sky was a parchment of paper, you will run out of ink and you'll run out of paper before you ever completely write out the love of God. I don't know what that does to you, but to me it just helps establish the fact that I'm loved and that He cares for me. Number two, God's love is beyond knowledge and imagination. Take what you think you can imagine about God's love and move it out for a 100 eternities, and you haven't even scratched the surface of the love of God. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, he goes above and beyond because he loves us. He loves And, you know, what's fascinating to me is this fact that He's the one that called into existence that which didn't exist. He's able to create the heavens, the earth, the intricacies of who we are. And he's the one that loves us. And the fact that we are his creation should make even more sense because he created us to show his love to us, not so he could beat us up. So some of you who feel like he's this entity running around, you know, like the gopher popping his head out of the hole. Oh, you did it this time. Whap. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) I love it. Bop, bop, got you again. Do you know that's not God? He is looking to build you up. He's looking to lift you up. He's looking to encourage you. He's looking to get you to the place where you fully, completely recognize that he loves you in the no matter what. So, number three, God's love is unshakable, enduring, immovable. It's unshakable, enduring, and immovable. Now, this next scripture we're going to look at should be mind-blowing. In Romans Chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let that sink in for a minute because we've given our lives to Christ and then we run around with this limp in our walk because we assume there's places where God puts a pause on his love and says, when you figure it out, I'll start loving you again. Nothing could be further from the truth. God's love doesn't have a pause There's no comma. It just is. And it was before you said yes to him, his love was already being revealed. And think, now here's the deal. When you say yes to him, it's not that that his love increases. It's that we're understanding it more. We're able to receive the love because we say yes. He says, Father, I accept you in my life. Oh, wow, you do love me. He loved you before, but you didn't really know it. But now that you know it, you can really know it. Isn't that cool? His love is incredible. And here's how it's demonstrated. First of all, in creation. You look at creation. I mean, you look around. Sometimes, just at night, go out in a, in a dark, dark night when the, the stars are showing, and you just see God's love painted across the sky. It's in the miracle of birth. I remember when I was watching the birth of our children and it was like, well, that's a miracle. And I helped. And my wife goes, yeah, and I'm doing all the work. And by the way, don't tell me how to breathe. (laughs) But it is. When that child comes forth and you realize that child is a miracle, you realize there is a God. How about in the revealed word of God? The, the, the God's word is revealed to us and how many lives have been transformed um, because of that. And how about in the power of the Holy Spirit? How God deals with hearts. God draws people. Uh, the Holy Spirit is ever wooing and drawing. It says, no one can come to the Father but that the Spirit draw them. That's what the word says. Look at this scripture. Huh. Romans 8, 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution? Well, how many of you have been distressed in the last two years? Just a little bit. God's love is still there. Famine or nakedness, peril or sword. Just as it is written, for thy sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. It says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good? Now, that's a good scripture to clap to, I would think, just a thought. I don't want to force it. But here's the deal. Let's get this in context real quick here. Do you realize that the person that's writing this, according to what we see in the book of Acts, is Paul, and Paul was one of the the biggest persecutors of the church, nigh unto being a murderer, throwing people in prison, chasing people down, separating families, and abusing them. And when you read that he was there approving Stephen's death, and he's the one writing about the love of God, there's a person that had a revelation of the love of God that was helping him to overcome his past. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I do. You all have one, a past, right? And you, how many times has the enemy tried to bring that past up? You just say, you know what, devil? I know I had a past, but Jesus redeemed my life because I'm loved. I am loved. I'm loved. So we can conclude and truly answer the question to you. How do I know God loves me? Because the word says so, creation says so. I mean, we can just go on and on and on. Yes, I know God does love me. Doesn't he? Amen? He's in love with us because you're his creation. So let's stand. And um, what I want to do here is I just want you to, in your own way, just kind of shut yourself in with God. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you that are out of Psalms. It's not going to be on the overhead. Um, but as I read through this, this, is Psalm 136. There's 26 verses. I'm not going to read all 26. But I want to read some of the verses. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of nail that to your heart, number one. Number two, determine whether or not there's a theme in these scriptures that. The psalmist is trying to get across to you and I. Because how many of you know that we need to hear a thing more than once to get the thing? Sometimes multitude at times? Well, here's the theme. Go ahead and just shut yourself in with God. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night, why? Why? For his loving kindness is everlasting. I think there's a theme here. Father, we're thankful for your loving kindness. Recognizing that there's not a a pause. There's not an expiration date. There's not even a, well, after this generation, it's going to be over. It says that your loving kindness, your mercies, as another translation puts it, are everlasting. So Father, as you're dealing with hearts right now and drawing your your faithful ones into a deeper relationship in you, those that said yes to you but are questioning whether or not your love is tangible enough in their lives, you're also dealing with hearts here today of people that may not have said yes to you yet. And so as God is dealing with hearts this morning and just if everyone just bow their heads just for a moment, and I want to just kind of throw out this question. You've heard this word this morning and, and um, you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe you've said yes to him in the past and you've kind of walked away, gave up on it, but you feel like God's drawing you back and you haven't had a relationship with him and you say, you know, I need one all over this house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this one question. And then just raise your hand. Do you want Jesus in your life? And if you do, just lift up your hand. And with that hand going up, that's a yes. Anyone? Okay. Thank you. One, two, three, four. Just keep them up. Just going across. Anyone else? You say yes. I want to say yes to Jesus. Is there anyone else? God's dealing with your heart. Okay. Okay. Okay, good, are five, good. Father, let's pr- we're gonna pray this prayer together as a family. We're gonna help to walk you into the presence of God as your name will be indelibly printed on the Lamb's Book of Life. And so we're gonna pray this prayer together, so let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I need a Savior in my life. So Lord Jesus... Thank you for coming into my life, forgiving me of my sin, setting me free from my past. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all my sin and gives me new life. I choose you today that you will be my father You will be my Lord, you will be my King, my boss, and my best friend, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's give God a hand. I don't know about you, but when someone said yes to Jesus, that just thrills my heart. Because this Wednesday will be my 46th birthday. In Christ. (laughs) And that was many moons ago. It's the best decision I've ever made. I'll never forget it. To this day, I will never, never forget it. I have it in my calendar. So when it pops up, it says, Today's your spiritual birthday. Candles and cake and all that good stuff. So, what we're going to do, we're going to have the um, prayer team come forward. We're going to sing a little bit. And if you really would like to have prayer this morning, maybe you're dealing with some stuff, maybe there's some stuff you want agreement on, maybe you're looking for a job, maybe the financial situation, maybe a relationship, maybe a, a prodigal child or whatever, the team is up here to pray with you and agree with you. So come forward.